Welcome to Disciple City Church Podcast. My name is Jerry Wagner, founder and lead pastor of Disciple City Church in Dallas, Texas. Thank you for tuning in. Our desire is to unleash a family of healthy disciple makers in Dallas to reach the world. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can listen to new messages each week. Thank you and have a God-filled day. Amen. Oh man, this is this is great. I got my my fan. I put it like right behind me, so this is perfect. Um, <laughs> uh, it's it's always a pleasure to to and a joy to be able to speak and and preach. Um, man, thankful for Pastor Jerry and 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 Ryan and the preaching team for allowing me to come and do this. My name is John Bautista. If, if we haven't met before, and I'm one of the volunteers here at Disciple City. Um, been here for about five years, five years now. So it's been a, it's been a really cool journey. Um, and like, yeah, the pandemic made it kind of weird, um, but, but God is good. And so I'm just excited to do this. Thank you, Pastor. Um, if you can open up to Psalm 67, Psalm chapter 67. I'm going to read it um, here in a second, but Psalm 67 About three years ago, uh, you know, I work at a school in admissions. About three years ago, Timothy Keller came to do a conference at my school. Anybody ever heard of Tim Keller? Yeah, man. <laughs> that brother has, has, has really changed my life. Well, he, he was doing a, a conference at my school. And I remember I got asked to go and serve in admissions and, and, and see if anybody was interested in in one of our programs and I was there and I was just so excited because Tim Keller was on campus. It's the most excited to ever see a white guy in person. Like this is, this was like the dream come true. Now I didn't realize this, but this dude is 6'4". I know, I know, 6'4". 6'4". And when he had hair, he was about 6'5". But this dude was so tall and I remember just being so excited and I I sat in the back and then I was like I just can't contain myself I need to get a picture a selfie with him so as the conference was going on I put my camera out and he's speaking in the back in the front and I'm taking a picture just you know I'm smiling I'm excited I'm in the moment this is Tim Keller I randomly found his book on Amazon about like eight years ago, and I read it. The reason for God changed my life. And now here he is in person. After he spoke, he went down to the hallway and I needed to go back to the booth. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to pass by Tim freaking Keller. So I'm going and I'm like, all right, keep it cool, John, keep it cool. Like, you know how you are with people that you admire. Just keep cool, keep cool, John. And as he was passing by, I was like, wait a second, why are like eight people like all around him? It's like bodyguards. And so I was like, I can't even get close to this brother. And so while we were passing, he smiled. And in my mind, he winked. I swear, I, listen, he winked and he was like, and I said, hi, and he was like, hi. And, and I was like, oh my God, 
first of things Tim Keller just said I to be so dumb. Oh my gosh. I just couldn't believe that Tim Keller, like Tim Keller saw me and recognized me, and I definitely recognized him. Uh, but but I was just there. And I was like, this is so fantastic. I saw him face to face, in the eye, a little bit of twinkle. I know it was there, Tim. I know it was there. And I went back to the booth. And one of my coworkers named Amanda, she was like, why are you, oh, you saw Tim. And I said, I just saw Tim. And I didn't care who was in the room of all the other recruiters and admissions people and all these other schools. I didn't care. I was like, I, I, I saw him. I've been reading his books. I've been listening to his thoughts. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can finally see him in person. And as amazing as that experience was, and even as I replay it, I haven't told this story in years, so I'm super pumped to tell you today. <laughs> as amazing as that was, I, I, interestingly enough, later that day I said, how come I don't get nearly as excited when I see God's face? What, what is that? How, how am I more more excited and more impressed to see a man that's not even my savior. More excited to see him than, than when I stop and pause and meditate and see God's face for who he is. How come I'm more inclined to look at somebody and in some sense bow down? And I think that sometimes I tell myself, God created us with eyes. He created us with ears. He created us with hands and with feet. And I think, you know what? They're created for a reason. They were created to see him, to walk with him, to embrace him, to, to live life with him. And I know that the fall came in place and it all messed everything up, and I get that. But there is something that we long for in seeing somebody face to face. You ever miss somebody? You just can't wait to see them? Whether it's your fiance or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or maybe somebody who passed away. You just long to see them. Maybe it was your grandmother who raised you or your mom who poured into you or your dad who was always there for you. And you miss seeing their face. Can I just tell you that God wants to do something very unique and very intentional through relationships and through seeing people's faces. He doesn't use uh, 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 the things that we normally think of. He doesn't use social media to get our attention, though he could. He doesn't have to do that. And he chose to use people. And if you're today I want to invite you and let you know in that he's chosen us. Us to be the relationship that pushes God's kingdom forward. Us to be the relationship that meets people where there are. Us to be the relationship that, that others are dying and are restless to see. This world is chaos. The U.S. is bonkers. I'm not going to lie, guys. It's, it's getting weird out there. Like super weird. Uh, anyways, um, 
Yeah, just got a whiff of that. Uh, uh, it's getting weird out there. And God is still desiring to use his people to engage people for his kingdom, for his mission, and for his praise and glory. Like God chooses us. And so for today, I want us to look at Psalm 67. I'm going to read it, okay? I'm going to read it. We're going to see three things here today. I want us to point out and feel the movement in this text. What is the, the psalmist, the writer, the poetry penman trying to tell us today in Psalm 67? Psalm 67, once again, if, if you have your Bibles, perfect. I, we're trying to avoid devices, but you can do what you want, okay? All right, Psalm 67. Verse one, it says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you judge the people with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let us, let all the ends of the earth fear him. And I want us to see something here is that everyone, everywhere, in every place, from all groups that gather, God is doing something. Let's, let's read it again, but I'm going to emphasize something. So the emphasis is me here. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your way may be known on all the earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is God's agenda. This is the God that we serve. It goes beyond what you and I could ever imagine. Everyone, everywhere, in every place, all groups that gather, God is seeking them. Amen. I agree. He pursues, he comes after people that are unable to see their own mess. The the poetry here, you would think that people and nations is kind of like the same word. It's not. In, in, in these seven verses, the, the writer uses three different words to identify people, nations, all the earth. He didn't have to do that. One word is totally fine, but he does that. And it means the same thing with just like a little bit of nuance, like, hey, oh yeah, people's here. Nations over there, the whole earth over there. And so the writer is constantly saying, listen, it goes from here, God's glory goes to there, and God's message goes to way out there. Everyone, everywhere, in any place from all groups that gather. So that people could realize and see his love, his care, his compassion, his forgiveness, it goes beyond what we can think of. In the morning, right before service on Sundays that I play drums. Um, I see people that are new. I come in here and, you know, normally I'm late, so, you know. Uh, 
But like during the break, after we've practiced, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go and get some water and I'm hanging out. I'm a little bit goofy, you know, I, I don't know. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I kind of freaked out Pastor Jerry this morning. I was like, Pastor Jerry, he's like, what, what, what? And I, <laughs> I was like, I just haven't seen you. I just want to hug you. And so, you know, I hugged him. But anyways, I'm hanging out here and I'm seeing, you know, hey, who's new? Who haven't I said hi to? And like, what's going on? And, and, and uh, yeah, you know who you are. You've been coming here for a few weeks. It's all good. Like, you haven't said hi to anybody. That's okay. Doesn't hurt my feelings. And I've wondered, I've wondered for all the visitors and the guests, if you've come in here and have seen, you've seen beautifully chocolatey, melanated people sitting with our lighter skin tone people that need a little bit of extra sunscreen in the summers, right? I'm wondering if you see us hanging out together. I'm wondering if you see us sitting together. I wonder, because I'm curious. Maybe you felt shocked or surprised, maybe even a little bit curious about what's going on here at DCC. I'm really curious. You're like, wow, wow, John, a lot, a lot of thought happens in the morning for you. Yes, it does. And at the same time, I am not naive. I'm not naive to think that some of us are struggling today with the exact opposite. There are two things I'd like to just point out that could become barriers between us. Because let's face it, today, you woke up and, ke- and decided to come to a church that looks a little different. <laughs> and we're all in this together. But I want to point out two things, two things that could become barriers between us. Okay, the first barrier, some of us have been through membership and have come for weeks or for months or for years and are struggling to see beyond their own ethnicity. We tend to gather in groups that look like us or use the same language or are in the same age bracket because we have to feel comfortable at church. I, I got to be with my people. You know, I, I got to be with them. The second potential barrier between us is classism and socioeconomic status. These are things that the culture puts on us, looks at us and tell us what we are or how much we're worth. But to make it plain, you don't talk to anyone who looks like they may be struggling financially. And how is this expressed? Is by avoiding eye contact to people who you think are poor. By the clothes that they wear or by the perception of difference in society, you'd rather just walk on past them. And I wanna point out these two things because once again, It's a beautiful thing when God uses us, everyone, everywhere, in any place, from all groups that gather to push his agenda and his love and his compassion forward. And the world is, gosh, they are seeking an answer. A way, a way out. And let me just tell you this, God, we have the answers. We have the answer. So how do we know if we're playing into these barriers? Um, here's my encouragement. Be present. Look up when in, a, when in a group. Ask yourself who's missing. Does everyone in this group or circle look the same? 
when we walk past people, do we ask ourselves, man, do I not desire to talk to that person? Do I not desire to say hi? Do I not desire to, I mean, it's going to be like a little bit uncomfortable. I don't really look like them. They're kind of older than me. I don't really, man, I got no kids. They got some kids. I'm so, uh, I see, I see the, the Gerber mashed potatoes on their shoulders. I don't know if I want to just, I'm okay. I'm going to do me. What is stopping me from being a presence that communicates, hello, I see you? What is stopping us guys from being God's presence to looking at someone and say, hey, look, you have my undivided attention. You have my attention. You are in my presence. I see you. I care about you. Are those the questions that we ask whenever we come here? Are those the things that are on our minds? Is Hey, I want to see somebody today. Because God is looking for them. God sees them. Everyone, everywhere, in any place, from all groups that gather, God is seeking people. And so this psalm helps us look beyond our ethnicity and our self-involvement. This psalm helps us Look beyond society's structures and class and hierarchy. This psalm helps us look like Jesus. The one who saw beyond us, saw beyond our sin, our guilt, our mess-ups, our inability to do the right thing or think the right thought or or do what God has asked of us. Jesus sees beyond that. He's the one that kept his eyes open for us. Doesn't, doesn't it shock you like whenever you're reading the gospels and, 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 every, and there's this crowd and out of the whole crowd, Jesus puts focus on one person and meets them and talks to them and draws close to them. If you're a believer today saved by Jesus from your sin, if you placed your faith in Jesus, sealed by the spirit, I can tell, I can tell you that God is still trying to use you and me today. You know, he, he says, John, John, keep your eyes open. When you walk in, keep your eyes open, bro. Church doesn't have to be about you. Keep your eyes open. Who's, who's there? Be my presence. Chanel, do you hear him? Keep your eyes open for the people who may be sitting alone. Tammy, Savannah, Sarah, like, do you guys hear him? Like, hey, look, there are some people here that are lost, that are wounded, that are wandering. Like, do you guys see him? Do you keep your eyes open? He still wants to use us. I can imagine it would be extremely difficult to praise God when we don't have his eyes or his compassion. And this psalm, this prayer, this praise pushes us forward And what does God want to do with all the nations, everyone, everywhere, in any place, in all groups that gather. Well, let's look at verse two. Let's look at verse two real quick. That your way may be known on earth. Which way is that? The next line continues to clarify what kind of way this is, and the psalmist is, res- is referring to something very specific. Look at it. It says this, your saving power among the nations. 
when we read about God saving power in the Old Testament, normally, generally, not all times, but I would say that generally speaking, most of the time, it's in reference to one specific moment God saved Israel out of Egypt. He brought them out. Israel was enslaved to their master. They could not escape. They were powerless. They were weak. They had no hope until God sent a man by the name of Moses to go set his people free. Flip to Exodus chapter 14. That's two R left. Exodus chapter 14. Exodus 14. I know you're thinking, see, John, right now, a Bible app would be a lot faster to get there. It doesn't matter. We don't need to rush. We don't need to rush. God is good. God is good. God is in the waiting. Hello. I'm just kidding. God is, God will wait for you. God will wait for us. It's all right. It's all good. It's all good. Exodus chapter 14. Chapter 14. And before we start in verse 21, 14 chapter 21, let me just say this. Let me just say this. Israel has just seen miraculous signs. And now Pharaoh said, get out of my land. So they go out and they're running and they're running. And the Pharaoh's like, oh my gosh, what did I do? I just gave away my labor. So they're running. Pharaoh's chasing them with his army. And here we go, starting in verse 21. It says this, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, all of them, his chariots, his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of the fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Next verse. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host, not one of them remained. Or sorry, of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. They all died. They all, they all drowned. That's, that's horrific. There was, I, I don't even want to think about somebody drowning right now. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power of the Lord against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. They figured out, oh gosh, this God is real. He fights for us. I did not know that. And then they saw dead bodies 
coming up on the seashore, and that's scary, super scary. I would have freaked out. And then it says this, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord, and in his servant Moses. Knowledge and knowing God, belief in who God is, and fear, it's the same thing in Psalm 67. It's the same thing, saved, fear, belief. Back in Psalm 67, we have similar themes here, guys. I'm going back, I got my little, whatever this string is, my little, whatever that is. Okay, uh, uh, look at verse two again, 67.2. That your way may be known upon the earth, your saving power. Look at verse four. You judge with equity and guide the nations. The word for guide has the connotation of shepherd, a shepherd that knows his sheep. Look at verse seven. Let's read seven. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Salvation, belief, fear, and reverence. There it is again. If if you're wondering why God wants us to keep our eyes open, it's because he desires people to come to know him and have a relationship with him. Knowing, believing in him, fearing him. He is seeking a holy encounter with the people in your community. With the people on Hampton Road. He's seeking a divine collision with the people that live right next to you. He's seeking a sacred appointment for you and the person that might be sitting right next to you so that people may know his way, so that people may believe and trust in his goodness, so that their lives could change and transform to the image and likeness of Jesus, a life under God. Don't you see it? We have been set free from having a life of living it to ourselves. It's a joy to be saved, to be set free by God, to be loved and be redeemed by him. It's a joy and a delight that he chose us, guys, like... God chooses us, and now we get an opportunity to live for something greater than we've ever imagined. That's what we were made for. Like, our lives are not here just to work a job or find a relationship or have a career or make sure that your 401k and 403b and C and D and E and F are all secure and make sure that you have Ten dollars in ones to wash a car, even though that's super helpful. But have we de- have we lost our delight in the joy of our salvation? No judgment, just an honest question. We express our salvation by seeking to put off sinful habits, by making space in our schedules to be mindful of our time being with God, by reading His Word and conforming our lives to what God who God is and what we see and what we experience in the text. The God is good. That God is good. He's kind. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's forgiving. He will walk into difficult situations and stay there just for you. Just for us. And he will be patient in times that we hurry. Like, ever since I moved to Dallas, Man, life is fast. I don't know if it's the fact that so many people are around me, or I don't know if it's, I mean, I recently got back on social media for different reasons, but uh, uh, 
like, I don't know if it's social media or if it's the amount of people or, 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 or so many cars and honk honk and beep beep and hey you. I don't know if it's all of that or none of that. But I'll tell you this, when I drive back to my college town in San Angelo and I'm in the country, I feel like a Marvel movie, like this is weird. I'm going back in space. Are we delighting in our salvation? Like you, are, are you, are you thinking about how God saved you and just saying thank you? Like, do you remember where you were whenever, whenever God knocked on the doors of your heart asking to come in? Like, do you remember what situation you were in that was too overwhelming that you couldn't handle and that he said, I'm going to be here with you in it? Maybe today you're a person who has fallen off a little bit. And I get that. Maybe we're people who have stopped getting to know God more. Maybe we're people who are having a hard time believing that he's actually good. Maybe we're a people that um, are just apathetic. We don't really care. We're just kind of, eh. And it's hard to get up. And it's hard to go to church. And it's hard to go to a job. And maybe, maybe, maybe those are signs of your heart sinking. Maybe signs of depression. Because God made us with mind, body, soul. He did that in Genesis. It's interesting that he calls us to worship him in Deuteronomy, mind, body, and soul. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and strength, strength equals body. And even in the end, God is redeeming our hearts, bringing back to life our bodies, and transforming our minds it's all there. Maybe we fell off. Maybe we're, I don't know, maybe we just lost our fear and our reverence and our respect and our honor for God. Maybe we live lives for me. What I think, what I want to do, what I want to spend my time with. In a world where everyone is saying, hey, look, just, just take care of you. I believe that in some way that's valid take care of you, block out people that don't give you good energy and all this other stuff. I get that, I get that, I get that. But here's what I'll say. Maybe that is exposing how close we are walking with Jesus and finding our true satisfaction and security in him. That even when people take, we still have more to give. Maybe. Maybe. If you don't want to hang around with any bad people with bad energy, uh, I'm sorry, you already did it today. (laughs) (laughs) You done messed up. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You done messed up. I can imagine and have been in the same place where it's hard to experience joy because of all of these things. So it's it's no judgment. It's more like, hey, I, I empathize with it. God's inviting the world that doesn't know him, yes, but he's also inviting us back. Like, this is for you and me. Yes, it is for everyone, everywhere, in every place, with everyone that gathers. But if you know him, and maybe you've just fallen off, like, he's still here for you. Waiting for you to return. Waiting for you to look at him and gaze and sit and just, God, let me just hear you. And not necessarily audibly, though that can happen. But just to be with somebody. Like, do you ever, 
Like, oh my gosh, I'm such a romantic. Anyway, like, do you know that feeling whenever you're just with somebody and you're just holding their hand? I don't have anybody, so I'm just, you know, imagination. <laughs> gosh, I'm being super vulnerable today. All right. Anyways, anyways, just forget it. Just erase that. But that moment, that moment when you're just with somebody and God gives you a glimpse of that rest, like everything's okay. He desires that for you and him. Amen. To sit, let's not do anything, let's just be together. And God wants that for you. So if you've fallen off, if you've been apathetic, if you're like, man, I don't really know if I respect God. How do I know if I respect God? Respect somebody. How do I know if I respect them? I listen to them. I ask for their advice. I show them honor with the way that I live my life, with the way that I talk to them or treat them or treat the people that they love. I show honor in these ways to somebody I normally respect. There was a professor, Dr. Curavilla. I was at the E.K. Bailey preaching conference about three or four years ago. It was in downtown Dallas. And that brother preached so hard and so articulately with precision, clarity, relevance. He had the whole, and that, that whole building was full of minorities, y'all. So like, like it was hooping and hollering. So much so that after he done and he prayed, people came to me and said, good job, son. I said, I'm not even the one that preached. But they respect me because of him. Let me ask you a question. If somebody, if your closest friends or maybe your, your family members or maybe your coworkers were to say, you know what? Ask them, hey, does it look like I respect God? I wonder what they would say. Not for judgment, but for exposure, for light for warmth, for intimacy, because into me, you can see. He is still calling us back today to know him, to trust in his goodness, to believe in his character, to have a renewed sense of reverence for the king, because we all know that it's hard. It's hard to praise God whenever we're deep down inside, we know that we're not living <laughs> how we should be. It's, it's hard to praise God. And, uh, we worship, like whenever we know that, that there are some things that we're struggling with, it's, it's hard to praise God and lift up your hands and pray and, 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 and get some anointing oil, even though we don't have any. But, but like it's, it's, it's hard to do that whenever we are struggling or apathetic or disconnected, or maybe we've been fighting with God and that is okay but it's hard, and I get that. So how do we do this? How do we gather in a way that helps keep our eyes open, that delights in our own story of salvation so that people everywhere, in every place, in every nation, every country, in every group that gathers could know God? His salvation, his character, and the fear of reverent, holy, respecting fear. Let's read verses one and two. And I want us to read it together. So I'll do one, two, three, we read, not one, two, read, okay? I know that because rock, paper, scissors, we don't, we're like, John, I don't know how to do this. Okay, all right. So one, two, three, 
read. Okay, all right, ready? One, two, three. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Your saving power among the nations. Your saving power among the nations. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. A long time ago, there was a, there was a guy I was friends with. He had been seeing a girl for about four years. They were dating for four years. Um, they'd been getting into some arguing. There was some hurt feelings and it's kind of normal relationships at times, right? Um, the woman was wanting to know, hey, is this going to go anywhere? So he felt pressure. And I asked him, I said, well, well dude, let me ask you a question, man. What, what keeps you in the, in the relationship? Like what, keeps, like what makes you stay? And he turned to me with persuaded eyes. Like this brother knew I have, I have, I know the answer to this, John. Every time I've messed up, she's given me grace and continued being loyal to me. The way she sticks by me, even after I fail, it makes me want to be a better man. I've grown so much and I've changed by just being in her presence. In my mistakes, I feel loved and I've never felt that with anyone else. Changed by her presence. When we are in the presence of someone that we love and who loves us, we have the opportunity to become people we've always wished we could be. Like being close to somebody to give your life over for them is beauty. And receiving somebody giving their life for you is absolutely gorgeous. And it's a story that God invites you to be a part of. Like you, in your situation, right now. To be changed in his presence. I want us to understand a few things. In Hebrew, the word grace actually means, it's a little bit nuanced. It means mercy. And the grammar is actually meaning continually requesting this, okay? The same thing with bless. One, it's asking for God's protection and provision in all things. And it's also continually requesting that God would have mercy and grace in all things. Grace is normally defined as unmerited favor, but here, um, it's not unmerited favor. It's actually... Mercy is a unique way of explaining that somebody specifically doesn't deserve, but is still being given grace. Not only does someone not do anything to earn this grace, but they are in a position where they've done the complete opposite to earn that. Then they lived how they should not have lived, but still received grace. A request for mercy here is asking God, God, would you, would you come down and be with me? I know I don't deserve your presence. I know I don't deserve your nearness, but God, I don't have anything to give you. 
You're the only way to get back to you. May God be gracious to us and make his face shine upon us. Let me make the translation here. Uh, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine among us. That's what it's saying. This verse is saying, cause your face to shine among us. This request comes from, uh, uh, it comes across like this idea of like you're talking to a person. Like you have means to say this, like in a relationship, it's like, hey, be closer to me. It was first used uh, when Aaron was blessing the people as they were, they were, they were you know, getting together and, and, and going off and doing their things and, and abiding by the law, and, and he gives this blessing to them. But I want us to see something really interesting. Flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. To our right. To our right. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting in verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 17. If you're there, say word. It says this, and I'm going to read through chapter 4, verse 6, okay? So starting in chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. Chapter four. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's words, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled with those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with God who said, let light shine out of of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, in his face Whenever we ask God to be near, and, and like whenever this psalm says, God, God, Elohim, it doesn't, it doesn't use Yahweh, which is the covenantal name of God. It uses the God because, because they're trying to make a, a connection with the people. Say, hey, look, when I ask God to draw near, we have the right to say, hey, when God has drawn near, he sent his son, Jesus. In the face of Jesus, there is the face of God. And Jesus said that. You see me like you've seen God. We have every reason to behold Jesus. And we have everything we need to show people who Jesus is because Jesus died for our sins. He was compassionate. He saw beyond our messes and stepped in. And stepped in. So as we close, God is seeking everyone everywhere in every place from all groups that gather to know him and to be changed in a relationship by seeing him. There's no other way. There's no other way but his. So today I'm gonna ask you to take time to be in his presence. Ask to see his face, to see his light, his love for you.
Has it been difficult uh, to s- step in other people's shoes or to cross cultural boundaries or lines? Or has it been difficult? Like, do you do you walk past people? Maybe maybe you need to pray that that uh, maybe we need to pray that we have eyes that are open for others because that's what God did for us. If it's been difficult to have joy in God's salvation and we're apathetic or we're stuck or we're feel like we're confused, maybe we should pray that God gives us time without distractions to stir our minds and hearts that we may fear him and respect him in a way that is expressed through our lives. If it's been difficult to ask God to draw near, just to say, hey God, I'm sorry. I don't have anything to give you, but I need you. If it's been difficult to ask that, maybe we should spend time today just telling him that we're sorry that he shouldn't be treated this way, that he deserves more, that we deserve all the negative consequences for the decisions that we make, and plead for mercy. And his word says that a uh, broken and contrite heart, that's a sacrifice. I don't know where you're at today, but let me tell you this. If, if, if we are going to be on mission off Hampton Road and in these streets, one, we're going to need each other. But even more so, we're going to need God to shine his face upon us. Like to shine. And when we invite God to shine, we ask God to be near. God, would you be among us? Today, would you ask God, God, would you be among Disciple City Church? God, would you be among my life group? God, would you be among our community groups? God, would you be among Hampton Road? God, we need you. So let me, let me pray us out today, and, and um, I'll give some time for you guys to contemplate praying one of those three things or all three things or like whatever you feel like is on your heart. Uh, dear God, thank you for today. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for being a God who loves us and cares for us. God, thank you for not giving up on us. God, thank you for your grace. I pray that your spirit would empower us. God, would you empower us to to walk with you, to draw close to you, God, and to invite you to be near to us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Disciple City Church Podcast. Until we meet again, shalom. Shalom.